Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Howdy. I grew up in the West. They say howdy. Good to see you guys. Great to be together. Isn't it great to be together? They're just nothing quite like it, honestly. Um, getting to worship the Lord together, uh, be in the same room together, and uh, that freedom and be able to sing. And I was just thinking of there's so many places in the world that don't have that freedom, and I'm so grateful that we do. For as long as we have it, let's enjoy it and uh, enjoy what God has given us. But um, happy Father's Day again, as it's already been said to many Many times here, so thankful for the great fathers that we have in this church, the grandfathers, great grand. Is there anybody with a great grandfather in here? We got one, two. We got, there we go. Congratulations. That's amazing. Great grandfathers. So lots to celebrate today. And I want to also just mention, you know, this is also um, on this day, June 19th, um, 157 years ago. Um, when the Union Army made its way to Galveston, Texas, and announced that the Civil War was over, it was three months after it had been over, and that all the slaves were free. So this was, yeah, boy, that was a long time coming, 89 years after the Declaration of Independence, um, when finally freedom came to the, the slaves. And so um, really a, a day to celebrate freedom in many ways. And I hate that it took that long to happen, but I'm so glad that it did. Uh, and then also, of course, this marks July, June, excuse me, June 19th, also marks the first celebration of Father's Day. So it was a, a woman's idea after her dad, who served in the Civil War, um, lost his wife, her mom, and during childbirth. It was, uh, she had six kids and died at the sixth or seventh, I don't remember, but she watched her dad raise these six kids on his own and said there should be some sort of honor. There was already a Mother's Day at that point, so they said there should be some sort of honor for fathers. And so in 1910 was the first Father's Day on today. And so this is a celebration of that uh, moving forward, and um, I think it's great to celebrate moms and dads and all that's given by so many people. It's not easy being a dad, a loving dad, an engaged, present dad. It's not an easy path. Um, many of you have had to overcome things that others didn't have to overcome simply because you had a present father or didn't have a present father in your home. You had to overcome things. So for us, myself included, I had a great father in, in the house and I feel like I have a, what I would call two-parent privilege. Um, it made a huge difference in my life. There are things I didn't have to, have to go through. And for those who have had to overcome a lot, I want to honor you today too, um, because it's, it's, it's not easy. There's a lot that has to get made up, and God makes things up. He helps. He does. He goes beyond what natural fathers, you know, don't do. God does. He is that faithful, faithful God that doesn't fail and helps us in so many ways. But you know, the, the need for fathers in our nation 
and in every nation, is so great. It is uh, something that actually is uh, not a good thing with America right now. We are the most fatherless nation in the world. Now, that should not be, but it's, it's actually true. And so you can see the results of many of those, many things because of that, or at least in part because of that, and it's, it's not good. And so, you know, mothers are amazing. I always say they're the glue, selfless nurturers, heroes, and especially single moms, I think, are superheroes. Uh, my wife and I often say when we're together, I can't imagine doing this alone. And so it's incredible what moms do, but there still doesn't take away from the real importance of a father in a home. Uh, the fabric of a family really needs both. It's, it's essential. Um, here's a couple of quick stats. You guys probably know these, but if a father does not go to church, no matter how faithful his wife's devotion, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper or church attender. The dad's presence in leading a family to church, we got a, a church really full of a lot of men, great men in here. And usually, well, the churches I've been to throughout my life, it's usually about two-thirds women and one-third men. And this is pretty much 50-50. It's pretty amazing what God has done. We have great men in here, as long with, along with our amazing women. But yeah, and so that, you know, statistically, that means that your children have a lot better chance of following the Lord simply because of your example. It's, it's incredible how that works. 85% um, of all youth in prison that are in prison, they come from fatherless homes, 85%, 20 times the average. Um, when I've looked at these mass shooters that it's been horrible that's happened across our country, uh, you know, one of the common denominators is they're fatherless most of the time. That is, uh, boy, it's, uh, it's heartbreaking, but it also really identifies a great need to be that we need dads, we need fathers. We need uh, men that are engaged in their lives and not just uh, doing their own thing, for sure. And this doesn't mean that these people had bad mothers either. It just simply highlights the importance of having a father and a father's influence. And I think to help turn the tide of crime, violence, poverty, we need a, revo a revolution of fathers in homes, uh, men getting married and staying you know, all those kind of things we desperately need. It's just the way God made it. God made it for this fabric of family that he created. It's supposed to be this way. And so we can be great examples in that. You were making a huge difference, whether you realize it or not. All you dads in here, grandfathers, great-grandfathers, your effect on people around you, and especially those in your family, is much greater than you realize. They're watching. Kids are watching. Kids are seeing if you're authentic. If you have a genuine faith, they want to have that genuine faith. It just, it's, a, it's incredible. So keep being who you are and just, uh, just want to commend all of the dads in here. Not only um, procreating, but staying the course and, uh, and being in there and helping out and, um, and leading and providing. Yeah, thank you to all these men. Um, you've heard me tell this story several times over the years, but I'm going to say it again anyway, just because it's a... Um, you know, I go to Africa probably every other year or so now. It used to be every year. They don't need me over there now with a Pat and the great team that we have. But I still go sometimes, and um, usually at the end of each trip, I do a safari. 
with the team that I take. Doesn't always happen, but usually we go on a safari and get to see these incredible animals. And it is a blast. Where we work is an hour and a half from the, the Serengeti, basically. And so it's really easy. As soon as we're done with the trip, we just um, go over and visit some animals. And uh, the elephants stand out to me every time, among other animals, but they're just so massive and powerful. And uh, the story, this was several years ago, when a national park in South Africa didn't have any, any elephants. So they transplanted several juvenile elephants from um, Kruger National Park, the same country, transferred them over to, so they could grow their, have a new elephant population in their park. But they relocated all these elephants without any of the adult males. They just did all the juveniles. And what happened is these juveniles, without any adult males to guide them, they ran amok. Their testosterone levels, as they start to increase, they've got no bull elephant to headbutt them and wrestle them and keep them down. And so here's what they started doing. This is real, you can read this. Uh, it's easy to find on the internet. Um, they started, they went, they went crazy. They tried, to, they tried to mate with everything. They started to rape the rhinos and would break the backs of these rhinos. They killed 10% of the rhino population. These juvenile teenage elephants. And um, the park rangers, they're just scratching their head to wonder, you know, what, how do we fix this? What, what, what is wrong? And what they ended up doing was had this idea, let's bring some bull elephants, some dads, let's get some dads on the scene, basically. So they brought those over. And then when they unloaded these bull elephants, these teenagers who thought they were king of the savannah, they were killing people as well. They were killing people, killing rhinos, just making a mess. And when these bull elephants got unloaded, the teenagers thought they were the king and they like went after them real aggressively. That first big bull elephant, he whacked that teenager, actually lifted him off the ground. That's the report you, as you read it. And problem over. <laughs> no more raping of rhinos. All of a sudden, you get the male figure in there, and they bring peace to the society, to the fabric. And elephants are real uh, familiar. They're, they, they, they're, they're in family units. In fact, I've been chased by two of them. And it was one of the scariest things in my life, just to be honest. Uh, bull elephant chasing us. We were, I was on the top of a vehicle and um, this other elephant, I, I'll tell you the story just because uh, I wasn't going to, but <laughs> I went over there with a guy who had a vehicle, he went over there a lot. So he had his own vehicle there and I went with him and he had mounted on his, in his car, a horn that sounded like several different animals. He just thought it was funny. So we're at this park in a jungle environment, and we pull up next to a teenage elephant, and he hits his horn, and it was a cow sound. Just, you know? Well, that elephant took that as some sort of threat and released a sound like I've never heard before. It was a low rumble. And in moments, I hear crashing as elephants start running to help. 
And this bull comes flying through the jungle and is right on our tail. I'm screaming at the driver to drive faster because he was about to tear our vehicle apart. Um, all that story from, I was going somewhere with that. But anyway, <laughs> what I know is they, they came and they, in this situation, in this park, they set things in order. They, the men, you know, that God has put on men, on dads, an ability to get in there. I mean, my son, Andrew's here, right here. You know, one of the things he does with me often, he comes up behind me and grabs me. He wants to wrestle. He wants to, you know, he's got his, his strength that keeps, and now he's, he's big. But he's, he's always wanted to wrestle, and, and I tell you what, sometimes we get on the ground, and sometimes, or it's on the bed, and it's, it's, it's going down. That just, that's just what happens. It is, it's like inside of him. And we need the men and the fathers in the world to stand up. Okay, you know, God chose Abraham. You know why God chose Abraham? Genesis 18, 19 tells us why God chose Abraham. For I have chosen him so that he may command or teach his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. God chose Abraham because he was going to teach his children after him how to follow the Lord, the ways of the Lord, righteousness and justice. This is why Abraham was chosen. God has chosen us as men to do the same, to teach our children the ways of righteousness and justice, the ways of the Lord, knowing God. It's a privilege. It's a great privilege to be a father. It's a great privilege to be a dad, to be like Abraham, in this day, and the, the influence, of course, is profound on children on a whole generation. I, I just want to also encourage you, if your dad's still alive, send him a note, call him today. Maybe you have spiritual fathers. There can be just as important in your life that has influenced you in a powerful way through your life. Tell them thank you. Reach out to them today. Send them a note. And for the single guys in here, the guys that aren't married yet, I just want to encourage you to esteem to be a father, a dad. It's, it's an amazing calling. It's actually a calling, and it's an amazing thing that you have influence, and it's, a, it's also a way of death in a good way because you're dying to your selfishness as you're giving yourself away and helping provide and using the resources you'd be making to spend on yourself. You're doing it to help a family and feed, and, but it is, it is godlike. It's what the Father does, our Father, which is who I want to talk about next. I want to spend some time talking about the Father. And just as in the world, you know, it's a mess when the presence of men or fathers, present fathers, when, that, when that's missing, it's, it's a mess without that guidance and love. And similarly, in Christianity, in the church, spiritually, without the presence of our Father, things can be a mess as well, or not whole anyway. Let me put it that way. We can sometimes not be a whole because of the missing element of the Father in our lives. To be healthy, we need his presence. To be healthy spiritually, to be healthy emotionally, I need the Father. We, as a church, we need the Father. In my personal life, this may sound a little bit weird. This is not heresy, so just hang with me on this. 
But in my personal life, I feel like I've had not just one conversion, but like three conversions in a sense. So when I was seven, I was convicted of my sin. My dad, that day was a Saturday, 1976. My dad then shared the gospel with me and I, with my natural father, knelt in the dirt and received Jesus into my life, my conversion. I was born again, I received Jesus. Fast forward several years when I was a teenager, I had this desire and this uh, hunger to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I was. That was probably 13 years or so after I was saved. That happened. So I had this like conversion with Jesus, this experience, then with this Holy Spirit. Then fast forward, it wasn't until about another 13 years, I was in my 30s. And my experience, perception, view of God the Father wasn't healthy or whole, even though I had a great dad. I was more of a servant to God than I was a son in my mind. And I didn't necessarily have a relationship with him. It was with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, which that's good too. But I, something happened to me that I want to talk to you about today because I think this is so important for all of us. Uh, you know, we can, depending on your, your life situation and circumstance and the kind of dad you had, it can really taint or beautify the lens that you have of God the Father. When we see, have bad experiences with our natural fathers or with men who are father figures or people in authority, it can tend to add a component to the lens which we view God. And sometimes that, it's just not accurate and those lenses have to get thrown away. Even if we have a great relationship, still, for some reason, we can see God in a light that he's not really in and in a way that he's, it's not really his nature. And so my conversion related to and conversion of thought related to the Father really started to take place when I read this passage. This is what started it off for me. It's in Mark chapter one, verse nine. It says, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening, Jesus, and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. So you've got the two-thirds of the Trinity here right now, Jesus, and then he sees the Spirit descending upon him, and a voice came out of the heavens, the third part of the Trinity, you are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. And when I read this, you know, you, you, this is a wonderful thing about the Bible, you can read it a thousand times, and on the thousand and first time, you see something you've never seen right? That's the, the scripture because it's alive. It's alive and it has unfolding revelations and layers of revelation forever. But when I read it this day in my 30s, I saw the father speaking and declaring to everybody, not only that's my boy, but I love him and I'm well pleased with him. And the thought hit me, wait a minute, he just got wet by baptism, 
but he hasn't raised up disciples. He hasn't raised the dead. He hasn't multiplied food. He hasn't died for our sins. He hasn't done anything of merit other than get wet at that moment. And it's at this time he hears the father say, I love you and I'm pleased with you. And I recognize my own Christian walk from when I grew up, I've always had this question inside of me is, is God pleasing? Or is, excuse me, is he pleased with me? And it was a big question mark and I never had the answer. Have you ever lived that way? Big question mark and not quite sure. What does God think about me right now? Is he pleased with me? Is he angry? Is he upset? Is he disappointed? That was probably my biggest. So I had been living my life in love with Jesus, received this infilling of the Spirit, but not quite sure about the Father. Not quite sure about how he feels about me and how much he really does, um, you know, he probably likes me. He loves me enough to send his son, but does he really, like, really love me? That was, that was an issue that I had, and I'd like to say I didn't have that, but I did. And as I read that, I thought, goodness sakes, Jesus got to hear how pleasing he was to his father before he did stuff. So the stuff he did didn't merit the father's love. It's who he was. It's why he was loved by his father. And when I saw that, I said, well, now, wait a minute. I can also live that way where I feel the love of God and know that I'm loved by him and pleased, pleasing to him, and then I can start. I say, I think Jesus was able to fulfill the ministry and the will of his father on the earth because of this. He wasn't waiting to hear at the very end after he died and rose again, great job only, but he knew he was pleasing to his father before he started before he started, because the love from the Father is separate from the acts that we do or the performance or doing everything perfectly or whatever or trying our best. I mean, it's like when I had, I had, my wife had these kids. I mean, they're just, uh, you know, 21 inches long, seven pounds, crying, you're hoping they poop and pee and all that stuff, and you are crazy about them, absolutely crazy about them. You'd give your life for this little creature. They haven't done one thing to deserve that. They're just breathing. They're just breathing, and that's the Father feels the same about us. He loves you. He loves me. And that revelation, another part of this that really stood out to me that helped change me was when I read Luke 15 as I kind of did my own journey on this. And I'll, let's just read these few verses. Everyone knows this. It's called the prodigal son story, but I think it's misnamed. You know, that's not scripture that says the prodigal son in the headlines. Whoever translated this put that in, but I would rename it if it were me. I would call it the loving father because that's to me what happens here. Verse 11, and Jesus said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So, the, so he divided his wealth between them. He didn't argue with them. He said, okay. Not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together. 
and half of his father's wealth and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living, doing all the wrong things. Verse 14, now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, my goodness, we've all done that. He said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I'm gonna say to him, he was practicing, this is what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up with his practice speech, came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, which means what? He was looking and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. There's a lot of stuff right there. You see that this father, his first thought when he saw his wayward son who just blew his estate was compassion. It's the first feeling that he had. And then feeling turned into leg movement, running. And then that turned into embracing. And then that then turned into kissing him on his neck. And the son said to him, Father, you must have been stunned by this, getting wrapped up by his dad. And he's kissing on him. Son says, Father, he pulls out the speech he'd practiced. I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, the father interrupted the son's speech. Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And that ring speaks of the authority of the son back to purchase. It's like giving him a credit card all over again. And bring the fattened calf, kill it, let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he's come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. As I read this in my journey, I also saw here that this is Jesus telling the story and he's always trying to help us understand what his father is like. Because a big part of the mission of Jesus, of course we know is to redeem all mankind, pay for our sins, but here are two other huge important portions of the mission of Jesus. One is to baptize in the Holy Spirit, right? John the Baptist said that, we've been talking about that several weeks. But the other one is this, to reveal his father, what his father is really like and the access that we have to him and the relationship we can have. He's mentioned his father 125 times throughout the gospels, 125 times. He didn't talk about anything more than that. It was that and really the kingdom. He's talking about his father. He is rewriting everyone's narrative that they have in their minds related to who God is. And Jesus is explaining this is what he's like. He's really love. He's really patient. In fact, he says this, for God so loved the world, 
that he gave me, he's saying. That anyone who believe, they'll be saved, live forever. Jesus is helping people reinterpret and have scales pulled off their eyes to see the Father for who he really is so that, not that they just can have more information, but so they can have relationship with the Father. You remember in the garden, it was just the Father and you've got Adam and Eve. And you've got this relationship that he has with them as they're walking around, they're naming animals, they're exploring, who knows all the things that they were doing that aren't written down. And then that, that relationship changed when the devil started talking and the kids started listening. And Jesus is coming to bring that relationship back with the Father after thousands of years. And he's showing them how to do it. And he uses this story as one piece of this that is beautiful. And he's saying, you want to know what the Father's like? Well, first off, he's not punitive. Secondly, when you mess up and you turn your feet toward him again, his first feeling is compassion, not retribution. Amen. When you move towards your father, that compassion turns into him running toward you. That's incredible. You ever picture God running? Probably not. Here we have Jesus describing the father running toward a sinner, but more than a sinner, a son. One of his own who simply turned around and started coming his direction. He runs off that porch to embrace them, wrap them up, Oh my goodness. I mean, imagine what this guy smelled like. He's been hanging out with pigs. He hasn't even had food to eat. You think he's had a shower? Deodorant didn't exist. He is smelly. He's caked with my guests, salty. I used to work for UPS when I was a teenager loading semi-trucks. I'd load two 28-foot semis a night. I'd drink about three gallons of water in that. It was in Phoenix, Arizona. The trailer would be about 130 degrees inside in the summer. And I was working in that. By the time I was done, my shirt, whatever color it was, would be marbled with white salt. My skin crusty with salt on it. I was, it was nasty. Now that was just for a three hour period. I can't imagine living with pigs. What this guy smelled like, yet the father doesn't care. Not only is he gonna wrap them up and hold them close, he's gonna put his moist, clean lips on the neck of that boy to kiss him and tell him what he's loved. Jesus explaining the father is a whole lot different than how people perceived him to be. And this became a revelation to me that I had no idea about. And I thought, oh my goodness, I do not know God. Not this way. Not that I'm loved first, pursued have ran, run after, kissed on. I mean, that's who knows God like that? Jesus did. He's the perfect representative. He's been with his father forever. They made the worlds together. He knows what he's like. And over and over, he's trying to explain to people what his father's really like. Okay. He was here to show us how to live. He is the truth. But he was also saying, hey, everybody, I want you to know him like I know him. In fact, he says that. John 17, 25. 
Jesus says this, this is in the Amplified. O just and righteous Father, although the world has not known you and has failed to recognize you and has never acknowledged you, I have known you. And these men understand and know that you sent me. Verse 26, right, this is right before he dies. Jesus says this, this prayer. I have made your name known to them. Now in Hebrew culture tradition, the name and the meaning of that name speaks of the nature of the person. Like, do you know what your name means? My guess is a part of what your name means is also a part of your nature of who you are. Somehow there's, there's things similar to that. And by Jesus saying, I'm making your, I've made your name known, I've made who you are known, what you're really like, and revealed your character, your very self, and I will continue to make you known so that, there's a purpose for this, that the love which you have bestowed upon me may also be bestowed upon them. So people, it says here in the Amplified, felt in their hearts that I myself may also be in them. This is Jesus' plan and purpose. This is his prayer. This is his request, is that we would know the Father like he knows his Father. That's incredible. You know, when Jesus said, I am, in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know what the next thing he says is? No man, no person can come to the Father but through me. But how about this? You can flip that around. Everyone who goes through Jesus can know the Father. Everyone can have a relationship with the Father. When I was asking the Lord about today, I was just saying, God, what do you want me to talk about? And it just came just strong and clear as can be. I want a relationship with my children. Talk about relationship with me. Because sometimes the father is the one that gets avoided or ignored. Many times how the Holy Spirit has been. And thank you for Jesus. I'm not saying that's any less, our relationship with him. But, you know, Paul said this, it's throughout the scriptures. We can have fellowship with the father and the son. Fellowship with the father and the son. Your heavenly father wants fellowship, relationship, time, with you, and we can have experiences with him that are unlike anything else in your entire life. They're spectacular. I, you know, in my natural life, I told you I had a, grew up with a great dad. I grew up in Oregon on the side of a mountain on 100 acres, just wilderness behind us for 50 miles. And one of the things my dad, the reason why he moved there is because he loved to hunt and fish and he loved kind of the wilderness, wild. He was like born out of time in a sense. I could see him as a pioneer in the 1800s. So I grew up in that environment and he would, on Saturday morning sometimes, he would go out you know, and do these treks in the mountains or fish or hunt and I ended up really loving those things especially the hunting uh, and the fishing, actually. But sometimes that meant getting up really early. It's usually dark. It's dark 4.30 or so. And so we did that. I did that as a kid. 
And now when I go back home and get to visit, we don't go back a lot, but when I do get back there, what I do with my dad is I'll often say to him, hey, how about tomorrow morning we go up in the mountains? And he's never said no. So we get up, usually 4.35, and now I take my kids with us too, who want the boys who wanna go. We pack a lunch, there's always Snicker bars included. You pack these goodies, uh, binoculars, rifles, pistols, and goodies. Pile in the vehicle and we head up the mountain. You know, the mountains behind where I grew up were about 9,000 feet to the top. We don't go all the way to the top. But you're going up these roads where there really aren't roads. It's just driving through stuff and four-wheel drive and stuff flying everywhere. And, but you get to these places with incredible um, wildflowers and you see eagles and oftentimes elk and deer and coyotes and all these amazing things and the smells and the beauty and the view. You're seeing, you can see for miles and miles and miles and it's incredible. So what my dad did was allowed me to go into his world when I was a young boy and his loves jumped inside of me and now I love the same thing he loves so that when I go visit him, I wanna to go to the same places. I wanna go back, I wanna see these things. Then my experience seeing these things and experiencing this, and it's different every time, but it's also a big part of it is being with him. We have conversations as we're experiencing these amazing things that God made. And I realize that one of the things that Jesus is doing when he's telling us about his father is he's encouraging us to enter the world that he has with his father. That he wants you and I, he's inviting us to have this relationship with his father to feel the same love that he feels from his father. To know that same love. To have those experiences with his father. Like he has. He wants us to have the same. He's letting us in on that. And it's through him, but as we through him do this, Goodness sakes, the word opens up in amazing ways. You start to see the consistency and the faithfulness of the Father in so many ways. In fact, uh, this is another side road. Just this week, I discovered something I never knew. And you know what the, I think it's called Aurora Borealis. You know what that is? Northern Lights, we call them the Northern Lights. The couches, I know, they're here somewhere, right? They went in Solomon, Alaska earlier this year. Um, they're spectacular. I've only seen just a little, little. I've not been close enough or further enough north to really see them. But do you know why? What, what that is? I just realized this this week as I was learning. There's a magnetic field around the earth all the time that we cannot see. Going from the poles, north and the south pole. And this magnetic field that's invisible, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, is surrounding the earth. And then from the sun come solar wind storms with high levels of radiation at 73,000 miles an hour going to the earth. It's damaging to us. But there's this magnetic field. It's a shield around the earth. And when those solar winds with radiation hit that field, it gets dispersed as this beautiful northern light. So when you see that light, it's like a rainbow in a sense of a promise that God is protecting us. It's like a, a demonstration of God's protection of you or my life by seeing these spectacular colors. 
God is so faithful. There are things about him that we'll never fully understand, but we can have this journey with him and this conversion, in a sense, to him as well, to the Father, where the things that he loves jumps inside of us. And the ways that he is and his experiences that he wants to have with us, that we get to have them and be a part. He wants to know you. He wants to walk with you and talk with you and share things with you. Yes, Jesus wants the same. And the Holy Spirit is there. They're all together in this. But there is something so beautiful and powerful about that. So how about this? It says in uh, Luke 5.16, Jesus, it says of Jesus in Luke, that Jesus often slipped away. It's one of my favorite scriptures, actually. It's just so interesting, the sound of it. Jesus often slipped away. Where was he slip, why was he slipping away, and where was he slipping away to? It says, to the wilderness to pray. He was often slipping away. It's like, where did he go? He's out in the wilderness praying again. What is he doing? He's hanging out with his dad. Prayer is another way to say, spending time with the father. He's going and he's spending time with his dad and he's always doing this. He's often slipping away. We're expecting him to be in one place and we can't find him because he slipped away. He's hanging out with his father. You know, we can do the same type of thing. We can slip away. You're gonna hear us over and over and over at this church, not just talk about information about God, but talk about relationship with God because that is the most important thing. Our relationship with God is the highest. We can know a bunch of stuff, but knowing a bunch of stuff doesn't always help. But knowing him, knowing him, then the knowing stuff has a place to fit. It's so important, and this is one of those things. So it's a question I have today for all of us. How close are we with the Father? Do we know him? Have we jumped into his world? Have we gone through Jesus into the Father and walk with him and talk with him and let him share things with us? Just like in the garden, Jesus was making the garden available for us today. Restoring all things. The restoration of all things is what Jesus is, one of the things he's about. And this is one of them, that restoration of relationship and fellowship with the Father. This is one of the things that really ticked off the Pharisees, by the way, too. When Jesus started talking about his father, they got angry. They got angry. They're like, what are you talking about? That you can have a relationship with God? That was, that was taboo. Well, yes, we can have a relationship with God through Jesus. So Father, I wanna say thank you today for being consistent, for being loving, for being powerful, for choosing to love us sending your son, sending your spirit for all the things that you do all the time that we have no idea about, from protecting the earth, from keeping gravity on, not turning that off, from keeping our lungs breathing, our hearts beating, our minds sound, for giving us all that you've given to us and doing all that you've done. Father, we want to know you and the way that Jesus knows you. And I ask, Lord, for some of us in here, and maybe this is new in some ways, 
I ask for brand new walk with you, Father. And a sing of ourselves the way that you see us, that we're loved first, that you are pleased with us, and yet we want to live a life that is pleasing to you at the same time. But the fact that you are pleased with us as we are covered with the blood of your son, forgiven, cleansed, set free, and we're in a family with a real father who's better than any other father, and that we have you. Thank you, Father, we all have you. Thank you for being the perfect father, healing us in areas that we need healed, helping us in areas that we need help. And Lord, I pray that we would all have experiences with you like we've never had, yet that it would continue to grow as we get into your world and you share with us your loves, all that you have. Lord, I, I bless these here today and especially the dads, fathers and grandfathers, great-grandfathers. Lord, help us to be men that are examples, men that change the environment around us, men that you can trust with more, Help us, Lord, in this day and this culture to love you above all, but also to love other people so well. We bless you, Lord. Give you this week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Happy Father's Day. Lord bless you guys. Have an, an amazing week. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.